Praise God. I want to talk about grace. Grace of God. So I have a, a book at home. It's a three-volume dictionary of theology. And the amount of scholars translated from the German was published in, I think, 1966. And the amount of scholarship that goes, has gone into that book is just mind-boggling. There's pages and pages of, of abbreviations of ancient manuscripts that have been studied. Anybody that tells you that the Bible is... Uh, been mistranslated as full of baloney. They don't know what they're talking about. The amount of scholarship that has gone on to study the Bible and to translate it into modern languages for us has been going on since the 1300s. Over, what, 700 years worth of scholarship gives us what we have today in the Bible. So I decided, hmm, I'm going to look up grace. And so uh, I have also a Strong's Concordance, which is a great book, because not only does it list every single word that's in the Bible, it also has a dictionary in the back of Hebrew words and Greek words. And since Jesus came, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, mostly the Greek words um, for grace. So the first word we're going to look at is word number 5485 in Strong's Concordance, it is pronounced charis. And it actually, even though it's pronounced charis, it is one of the last letters of the Greek alphabet, so that's why the high number. Anyway, one of the uh, a, uh, definitions of this, or one of the entries of this, is in the King James, which is what Strong's Concordance is uh, based on, is the old King James or authorized version from 1611, I think it is. Um, the word there is noted that it's in James chapter 1, verse 11. And it literally means there a beautiful appearance. In the New King James, it's translated, grace is translated as beautiful appearance. And it's talking about rich people who uh, put all their trust in riches and uh, they're all going to eventually pass away and then somebody else gets their riches. And uh, even though they have a nice, beautiful life because they're rich now, um, it's going to pass away. But the, um, uh, the meaning of the word grace in that particular passage means to be proper or uh, have a good fit or to be suitable and I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek words because <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce them very well but it means basically beautiful in appearance but it will eventually fade away in the Old Testament there is a word uh, for grace uh, exemplified in um, Ezra chapter 9 verse 8 and it says Ezra speaking he says now for a little while Grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape, to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may establish our eyes, enlighten our eyes, and give us a measure of revival in our bondage. This is when uh, King Cyrus uh, had uh, issued a decree that the Jews can leave Persia and go back to Jerusalem, though not all of them did which is really a, a sad commentary on their attitude. In any event, I find this very interesting because we know in, in the 
uh, believe it's in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, one of the things that Paul prays for the Ephesians is that God would enlighten their eyes, open their understanding. And it's very interesting uh, phrase here that God has, uh, Lord our God has shown us grace to leave us a remnant to escape, to give us a peg in his holy place or in his temple. What's, what good is a peg in the wall? You can hang your coat up there. You get in, come in the house. If it's cold outside, you got your coat and you have a peg there. You can take your coat off and hang it up there and be comfortable. You have a, in uh, the, the holy place, you'll have a presence in the presence of God. You'll have a place where you can come in and call your own in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. It uh, literally means to be favorable. And it comes from another. Uh, it comes from a Hebrew word that means to stoop down in kindness, especially to an inferior. Isn't that wonderful that God stooped down to us and touched our lives? We absolutely are inferior to God. Can you say Amen? God is superior to us, right? Everybody agree on that? Say yes if you agree. God is superior to us. Yes, a few of you believe God is superior to us. The rest of you, or do you believe that God is inferior to us? No, of course not. Hallelujah. God is superior. It means kindness, favor. It means to be well favored. Over to God. God has favored us. So let's look at the Greek word here. It means graciousness, especially the divine influence upon the human heart and the, the reflection of that influence in our lives. Amen? When God touched our lives, He changed us. And hopefully, we got changed for the better. And His influence on our hearts is supposed to continually grow on us. Amen? It makes us acceptable. It's a benefit. It gives us favor. It's a gift. It should give us joy. God has given to us liberally. It means to have pleasure. At the, in the book of Psalms, it says, At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. It comes, there's another Greek word related to it, uh, which means, uh, let's see, the first Greek word is charis. No, charis. And then where we get the word charisma from, by the way. And the related word is carito, I guess. Which means to endue with special honor. How many of y'all feel honored by God this morning? God has honored us by sending his son so that we could have a relationship with God the Father. We're honored. I, when I was in the Boy Scouts, we would go to different uh, uh, events, and we always would have a gift for the person that made that event possible. We uh, went to um, um, the uh, Coast Guard Station, Governor's Island, one weekend, and we camped there. And uh, at, uh, as we're getting ready to leave, the boys all assembled, and uh, I was one of the, the, the leaders, and they gave me a plaque to give to the gentleman who enabled us to participate in that event. He was honored by us. And so God has honored you and I by giving us his son. 
It means to be highly favored. Anybody ever, we used to sing a song at the 22nd Street Church, I'm loved and highly favored. Hallelujah. That was part of the, I'm loved and highly favored, saved by the grace of a mighty Savior. Hallelujah. I'm loved by Him. God honors us. Amen. He's made us acceptable. Hallelujah. This is what the grace of God is. There's another Greek word related to charis, and it's kairo, which is a primary verb, which means to be cheerful. Hallelujah. We're supposed to be happy as Christians. Amen. Even though sometimes we go through stuff, we're supposed to be happy because we're saved. Amen. It also means to be calmly happy. You don't have to be effusively happy. You don't have to be exuberantly happy. You can be calmly happy. Amen. Isn't that nice? You don't have to, don't have to get all excited. It's okay to get excited about God, but you can be calmly happy because of the grace of God. It also means to be well off. It was also used as a greeting on meeting someone or when you were leaving. It could mean farewell, it could mean be glad, it could mean Godspeed, it could mean rejoice. And then, here's that word, charizomahi, which means to grant as a favor and kindness, to pardon or to rescue, to forgive, to freely give, or to grant. And then, that word charisma is a divine gratuity literally means deliverance from danger. Amen? It's a donation, and it specifically means it's a donation only from God to mankind. There's a lot of uh, leaders that are, they, they, uh, they have charisma. You know, there's something in them that, that lights up, and people are drawn to that. Well, that's a God-given gift, and it also talks uh, that charisma is also the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Well, let's look at some scriptures here. Noah, chapter 6 of Genesis, verses 5 through 8. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Sounds like today. And that every intention of the thoughts of their heart was evil only continually. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. and it grieved him to his heart. Amen. God, I don't think God is grieved at the way things are going now sometimes too. So the Lord said, I will blot man. I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. And this literally means I'm going to wipe it all clean. Get rid of all this dirt and we'll make it clean. Land, man, and animals, and creeping things, and birds in the heaven. For I'm sorry that I made them. But in the beginning, it said God saw it was good. But apparently, something changed over time, and now God says, oh my goodness. But Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor. I mean, you know, God is righteous to judge sin. God is. There's no problem with God getting mad at things that are going on. In Isaiah chapter 57, verse 16, it's God speaking. He says, I will not contend forever, neither will I always be angry. 
And in Psalm 103, verse 9, it says, He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. In, uh, in Hebrews, it says it's a, a, an awful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God is righteous. God is totally justified in executing his judgment. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Notice that God did not repent, and he made a way, by the way, because Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. We know the rest of the story. God waited to, for Noah to build the ark. God waited for the snails to finally arrive, and God closed the door. And God judged. But when God judged, he also redeemed mankind because Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Noah is in the lineage of Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Even though God wiped everyone else away, he kept. Hallelujah. And we know that this is also a uh, symbolism, so to speak, of baptism. God changed, or man changed, but and God, so God expressed his displeasure. He was grieved by sin, and one commentator says, we should be too. Amen? Amen. Oh, by the way, uh, election's coming up, so be careful who you vote for. <laughs> Exodus. I'm serious. Be careful who you vote for. Moses said to the Lord, You say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me, yet you have said. And this is the key verse I want to look at here. God says to Moses, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. And I want to declare to you this morning, I want you to claim that scripture for you. God knows your name. And because uh, of where you are uh, and all the circumstances that have gone on in life, up to this point in time, in essence, God also says to you and I, you have found favor in His sight. Amen? That's good news. That's why it's called the gospel of grace. The gospel means good news. You, God knows your name, and you have found favor in His sight. Hallelujah. It, <clears throat> All right. Praise God. Now, this dictionary that I got at home, it's three volumes, and I only have two of them, so i got to find out where I can get number three. But, so grace, favor, means that which brings well-being among mankind. With all the problems in the world today, with all the problems in our individual lives today, we need God's grace. We need God's favor. Can you say amen? We need God's well-being among us. Hallelujah. The result is joy. And joy is the individual experience or expression of the well-being of God among us. Our, our salvation experience, our walk with God is supposed to have joy in it. Well, I've got, I've got problems. And it's not very joyful right now. Amen? But what does God promise in Isaiah? I'll give you beauty for ashes. I'll give you uh, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I want you to know, I believe that God, when he says I'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, you have to put it on. 
Amen? Yes. You have to put the garment on. In order to get rid of the spirit of heaviness, we have to put the garment of praise on. No matter what the circumstances are, we have to put on the garment of praise. God is worthy of praise no matter what things look like. Amen? Amen. You will have trouble in this world. You will have sorrow in this world at times. But God is worthy of praise. And the key to receiving and maintaining the joy of the Lord is to put on the garment of praises to praise God no matter what. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for... Hallelujah. Anyway. I digress. I wasn't in my notes, so praise God. Grace, favor, beauty, thankfulness, gratitude, delight, kindness, benefit. How many has benefits at work? Hallelujah. Did you know, up until around World War II, people, most companies did not offer benefits. After they had to, in order to entice people to come and work for their companies, they had to offer benefits. So my stepson was complaining because uh, his benefits weren't so great. So I have to pay extra for my health insurance. So I just have to work and sweat for my health insurance. My my contractor pays the, the whole thing. So well, that's not right. I said, why doesn't your contractor pay? Why are you complaining about my good benefits when your contractor should be paying good benefits for you? Anyway, so we have benefits in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Grace, favor. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 15 says, In the light of the king's face is life. Verse 14 says, The king's wrath brings death. But, so the picture is, you're coming into the king's presence. You're coming into the king's throne room. And he's happy to see you. That would be a good thing. It would be a bad thing if he was, you came into the king's presence and he was not happy to see you. That would not be good. But we want to know that we're coming into the king's presence and he's delighted to see us. He's happy to see us. The other day I was praying and I had this picture in my mind of me as a little kid running up to God and God hugging me and says, oh, but God, I messed up. And he says, that's okay, there's Jesus over there. He took care of it. Amen. Picture that yourself in that. Running into God's presence and God's there. All right, come here. I miss having little kids around, you know. My, my youngest granddaughter is 11 already. My favorite age group is the four-year-olds. They're so fun. <laughs> you can tell them anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the light of the king's face is life. Amen. Praise God. Y'all know the story of Queen Esther. She risks her life to go into the king. But the king is delighted to see her. Hallelujah. Praise God. God, you know my name. And you have also, you tell me that I found favor in your sight, God. You're so good, God. Hallelujah. And what happens next, if you know the story, Moses says, God, show me your glory. And what does God say? (laughs) Well, I'll show you my goodness. 
God says, hide in that rock. You can't see my face because if you do, I'll die. You'll die. And, and, and the Bible says that God walks by, puts his hand over the spot where Moses is, and Moses sees his backside. And, he's, and God doesn't say, I'm going to show you my glory. God says, I will show you all my goodness. God gave Moses and the people favor with the Egyptians before they escaped in, Acts, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 36, it says God gave Moses and the children of Israel favor with the Egyptians. They plundered the Egyptians. They went to the Egyptians and said, give us some of your stuff. We're leaving, you know. Oh, okay, so they gave them all their gold and jewelry and stuff. Says, oh, they plundered them. Amen. <laughs> We're going to plunder the enemy. Amen. Yeah. We're going to go into the enemy's camp and plunder. Um, Reinhard Bonnke wrote a book, Plundering Hell to Populate Heaven. He's gone to be with Jesus now, but he was a, a, quite the preacher. If you ever have a chance to look up on YouTube, some of his uh, sermons, is awesome man of God. Grace denotes the stronger coming to the help of the weaker. The one who stands in need of help by reason of their circumstances or natural weakness. The stronger one acts by a voluntary decision, though he is moved by the dependence or the request of the weaker party. We can come to God at any time, anywhere, any place, and request his help. Hallelujah. I'm going to read that again. The definition of grace. This is from... Um, uh, Matthew Henry's commentary, I believe. It denotes the stronger coming to the help of the weaker, the one who stands in need of help by reason of their circumstances or natural weakness. The stronger one acts by a voluntary decision, though is moved by the dependence or the request of the weaker party. Growing up in a big family, we all had chores to do. My, we had two refrigerators. One refrigerator had a list of every chores that we had to do every day, and the other list had Saturday chores. And we had a saying in my family, make yourself useful. Don't just stand there. Do something to help. And that was, that was part of our growing up. My mom was so happy she had 10 boys instead of 10 girls because even though she couldn't remember our names, she could get one of us, <laughs> one of us to do her a favor. <laughs> you, Sam, George, Harry, whatever your name is. We didn't have a Sam or a George or a Harry in our family. <laughs> but one of us could do her a favor. Make yourself useful. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Here's God helping us while we were still weak. Amen. How many of you were weak when you were trying, struggling against sin? I was. <laughs> At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's anyone who wasn't saved. <laughs> One who, somebody will scarcely die for a righteous person or perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But, there's that word. Uh, remember last time I preached, we were looking at this word, but. But God. Throughout Scripture, but God this or that. But God. 
shows his love for us or proves it. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Took the punishment we deserved. Took the place of our, our, our horribleness. Amen. While we were still without strength, just at the right time. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says that He, God, Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted death for everyone. Amen. Anybody ever file an insurance claim? You fill out the paperwork and you spell out the circumstances and you tell them what happened and what's supposed to be covered and what not. And that claim gets processed and you get the benefit of paying for that insurance all these years and nothing ever happened. And oh my goodness, something happened and finally, thank God we had insurance. Praise God. Well, Jesus, and the reason I mention that is because Jesus, by virtue of his death, Burial and resurrection has a claim on every soul on the planet Earth. Amen? He tasted death for everyone, but now he has a claim outstanding against everyone that everyone should give their lives to him. Or actually, <clears throat> we really can't give anything to Jesus. It's Jesus who gives us something. Amen? I was reading the other day and it struck me. You know what? I think it's a Charles Spurgeon quote that you have to recall or remember or keep in mind that what Jesus did is he gave us his life. He gave it to us. And it's up to us to receive it. Amen? Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 34 Bible says, God speaking, surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. So, the proud person, this is what the scorners are. They're the proud. Remember in 1 Peter, he says, God is opposed to the proud. He's actually opposed to those who are trying to do things their own way instead of God's way. But God gives grace to the humble. God is opposed to the proud. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Notice, going back to Noah, that the increase of sin was followed by a greater increase of grace. And what I mean by that is, after the flood, God promised God made a covenant, another covenant. How many know there's lots of covenants in the Bible? There's lots of covenants. There's a covenant with Hagar. There's a covenant, several covenants with Abraham. There's a covenant with God and the children of Moses, with the children of Israel. And there's a covenant with Noah. And each of these covenants brings an increase of grace. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5, verses 20. Now, by the way, that scripture, this is what convinced me that God loved me because I couldn't believe God loved me. To me, the way I was raised in a, uh, was uh, God was this big, angry guy up there waiting for you to mess up so he could swat you. 
And then I read the wages of sin is death. And I thought, oh my goodness, God, why don't you kill me? Because I was a sinner. I knew it. But when I read this, then I begin to understand, oh, okay, God loves me. God made a way. Hallelujah. To take all that stuff out of the way. Amen. And then, in chapter 5, verse 20 through 21 the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. In Romans chapter 5, there's several sentences where Paul writes and he says, How much more, much more, abundantly much more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. We're on a pilgrimage. Amen. This life is not all there is. Hallelujah. The knowledge or knowing God can justify us and pardon us. Grace from Christ is the new reality, not the law. Grace abounded all the more. Grace will not maybe, but will reign through righteousness and the righteousness of God, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We may be uh, falling apart physically. The Bible says this tent of clay will wax old, but we have the hope of eternal life. Praise God. So here, next, is the grace of God. Whoops, we shouldn't add that one. That's not the right scripture. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, look it up. Matthew, uh, come unto me, Jesus said, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. It's the concept of grace where God wants to help us. Hallelujah. The Dictionary of Theology says that grace is the immeasurable remission of death. Even though Jesus didn't use the word grace. In Matthew chapter 18, we'll skip ahead here. That's not the right scripture anyway, but hold on there. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 34, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times in a day? And Jesus says, oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 not seven times. 70 times 7 in one day. So what is that? 490 times if you're, you're, well, somebody offends you and they come and say, oh, you forgive me? 490 times in one day. I think Jesus was uh, kind of exaggerating. What he meant is, yes, always forgive somebody. And he says, here's how you think about it. There's two servants. One servant owns, owes $100 million. There's no way he can pay it. He only makes $25 an hour. And he comes to the, the, the man or the person that he owes the money to. He says, oh, I, they're going to put him in prison and sell his kids. And, uh, oh, oh, I'll pay everything back. I promise. Sure you will. You know what? Forget it. You're forgiven of the debt. And then the Bible says that this guy goes out and he finds uh, his buddy who owes him a few bucks. Hey, you better pay. And he grabs him by the throat. And, uh, and the other servants, the other guys, they say, hey, did you just get forgiven a whole bunch? And they go and they tell the king, and the king says, hey, come here, bud. That ain't going to fly. And the concept is that there is an immeasurable remission of debt. 
Hallelujah. Thank God that when Jesus died on the cross, He paid for the sins of the past. He paid for the sins that day. And He paid for the sins forever until the end of time. As one preacher said, there's not enough sin in the universe to nullify the unquestionable success of Jesus' sacrifice. Isn't that good news? That's good to know. Oh man, if you mess up, you can go to God. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Directly. Okay. Now, Paul writes, I thank I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Like I said earlier, you, you, you're, the gift of salvation is given and you have to receive it. And you don't, you don't like I, I used to say, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. No, what actually really happened is Jesus Christ gave his life to me. That's what happened. Let's go on. The next scripture, to all, so you have to receive him. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is the grace of God. You receive him, you believe in his name, and you, the result is we become children of God. Hallelujah. And then, let's see, so this one, this is verse 12, and then we go a few more verses ahead. And it says, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what does the law do? The law tells us what sin is, but grace saves us. Grace upon grace. And this interesting phrase, grace upon grace, I believe it's talking about as we go through our daily lives, um, there's a, a scripture in um, one of Paul's letters. It says we go from glory to glory or strength to strength. Every day as we're living our lives and we, we, we come into situations where we know that uh, God is moving or we know or we have an obstacle or, or temptation to overcome and we have the victory, that's one of those instances where the grace of God has helped us and we will go from that one to the next situation, from grace to grace. Hallelujah. And then, but God. There's that phrase again. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. And this word here, there's several words in the New Testament uh, about saved. This one is, uh, in this particular sentence, is the, um, the Greek word soso, which means to be saved. It means effective salvation. It means, and it's, it's in direct contrast to the idea of forensic salvation. Anybody ever heard the term forensic salvation? It's the legal standing we have before God that we are justified. We are, it's as though, how's that phrase going? Just as if I had never sinned. 
when you give your life to Jesus. The, the evidence, or not when you give your life to Jesus, <laughs> when you receive salvation. Sorry, it's going to take a while. You know, old habits sometimes die hard. But anyway, so effective salvation, being saved, is similar to being justified, but this one's the gift. The other one is kind of like the legal uh, mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> oh, I have a better word. Hallelujah. So if grace, we have been saved, raised up with him and seated us. He raised and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then it's a gift of God so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. We trust in Jesus. We believe in him and it saves us. We have saving faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. Paul had to uh, work, uh, talk to the Jewish people about this, that you, you cannot do enough good works. Your good works will not outweigh your bad works. Sorry. You need, everyone needs a Savior. Because if it was your works, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die, and you'd be able to say, <laughs> look at me, I've done this and that. Funny thing, I was reading uh, also in the commentaries that uh, the rabbis, um, if you were um, successful in this life, then you had your reward, and that was that. But if you struggled through life, then your reward in heaven would be great. But those guys that were successful in life, they didn't get much of a reward in heaven. <laughs> That's not what Scripture is telling us. No one may boast. We are his workmanship. This word literally means we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, um, by the way, to me this means that we should uh, actually try and find out what they are so that we can walk in them. God has good things planned for us. And we will close with this. After the meeting, I love this one. This, the, 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 uh, Paul is in a, in a certain city. I forget which city it is in. And uh, there's a big, whole bunch of people there. And uh, he's uh, proclaiming the gospel, proving from the Old Testament that Jesus is the Messiah. And after the meeting, uh, the synagogue broke up. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, Paul and Barnabas urged them continue in the grace of God. And then if you read the rest of the story, the next week almost the whole city shows up. <laughs> and of course, the, the, uh, the Jews who were not devout, they got all jealous and caused all kinds of problems. But anyway... The point of this one is that we are to continue in the grace of God. Our journey towards eternity is a day-by-day, -day, sometimes moment-by-moment -moment thing. We're supposed to be making progress. Thank God that the grace of God is available to help us make progress. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know it says that all things, say with me, all things work together. For the good of those that love God. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says we're to come boldly before 
the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and help, grace to help in time of need. I don't know about you, but it seems like every moment is a time of need. I need God. I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit to help me every moment. Amen. Amen. Because Psalm 84, verse 5, says this, Blessed is the man whose strength is in God, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Amen. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Eventually, we're all going to stand before God. Yeah. Right? Eventually, we're going to ha have judgment day. Yes. The godly will be judged, and the ungodly will be judged. However, we won't be condemned. Thank God, because Jesus took our punishment that we deserved. So we'll, we probably will, I mean, I'm sure we will give an account of our lives, but, and then we get to be with God forever and ever and ever and ever. And uh, I cannot comprehend eternity, so I'll wait till I get there. But in the meantime, we have the promise that God will help us. Amen. Amen. God wants to help us. Amen. If you don't get anything else out of this morning's sermon, God wants to help you. Amen? Amen. That the whole point of everything is God wants to help you. God is able to help you. God is willing to help you. Amen? Praise God.